I took this this world of tech startups and entrepreneurship and engineering and building things through a creative way. And I looked at Calgary and said, holy smokes, we've got this engineering might thanks to our energy sector. We've got a wonderful arts and culture sector. We need to mash those two things together because that's the equation for ingenuity and innovation. Hello and a warm collisions YYC. Welcome. I'm your host, Tyler Chisholm, and I'm pumped as I always am for my guest today, Miss Jasmine Polarity. Oh my How gosh, I'm so good, Tyler. Good morning. Oh, so excited to have you on. You and I met. It's Calgary, one degree of separation. Uh, we met at an event. I think the first time we formally event was was last summer at, a, at that. Uh, I'm, I'm going to toot my own, but, uh, not even mine, but the uh, International Justice Mission. We did that cool fundraiser, and you were there at Mr. Doug Gray's at Gray Bar. We got to meet there and have a little I bit know, of a chat. I know, live performance. And we promised at that moment that we would do a podcast, and the fateful day it has come. Has. It, has, it has arrived. <laughs> it has arrived. I love it. Oh, I'm looking at your LinkedIn, which I'm a creeper because, uh, you know, but it's everything is there's a lot of things, but present is still the time frame. Like they're not moved on from yet. So I want to be I'm not going to just go and start reading. <laughs> Let's just start with this. What are you the most excited about right now that you're working on? And we'll let the audience know what we're going to talk about. And then we'll and then we're going to okay, talk. About I love it. it. I think the most excited, like, most excited I am right now is I feel like right now I'm standing on a cliff looking over our own city of Calgary and thinking out the, about the potentials of where we'll be in the next like five to 10 years and how we treat this place Ooh. like a living laboratory. And I'm so stoked because I think there's tremendous potential for us to rewrite what our city or other cities are. And as a community builder, I think there's some interesting ways that we can do that. So everything I've been doing lately has been aimed to ignite a bunch of really cool experiments. That was well done. I don't, you, I don't know if you've done that elevator pitch before, but that was very like as a marketer and a, and a communicator. Oh, well you. done. I've had two coffees. <laughs> I'm immediately standing north of downtown. I'm I can see downtown. I'm in Martelloup, but standing on the edge, I feel like I'm on the north side mm. of the river and I'm looking down onto downtown, like into the basin of, of what it, what is Calgary. That's, so that that's my visualization. I'm with you on, on the journey. I love a good I love a good painting good painting good picture. Five to ten years. When you think about a city, mm. though, these are long term. This is stuff that gets orchestrated years ago. This is brick and mortar. These are streets and roads and beliefs and ways of doing things. Maybe talk about even just thinking five to 10 years versus thinking 30 to 50 years, which for a lot of people just becomes very abstract. Yeah. Five to 10 years feels pretty tangible to me for something as big as deliberately shifting our city in, in different yeah, directions. Yeah. You know, and I think part of that comes from this windy back, you know, uh, uh, background of mine where I stumbled into the world of tech startups in the early 2000s. That took me down to the Silicon Valley. And then I, when I returned to Calgary, uh, I took this this world of tech startups and entrepreneurship and engineering and building things through a creative way. And I looked at Calgary and said, holy smokes, we've got this engineering might thanks to our energy sector. We've got a wonderful arts and culture sector. We need to mash those two things together because that's the equation for ingenuity and innovation. And you know, so as I, as I look right now and start to think about cities, I like to think of them in the same way we think about a startup accelerator. City building so often, to your point, has been about the roads, the infrastructure, the bricks and mortar, the 20-year master plan. And they need to think about that way. It is, a, it is a complicated system. But I think that's impeded us from thinking about the human level of experimentation and activity that ignites ideas that shape our places. And so uh, to me, we need to think in these kind of five-year, even heck, 18-month time frames 
when we think about community building, community activation, and where we want our cities to go. Because otherwise, we get that shifting baseline when we think 20 years out, we think, well, not so far away. So might as well just like, just keep talking to my committee about something or letting that master plan do what it do what it does best. Whereas we can actually experiment just like startups do with our places where we live. Mm, that's a fresh and one thing I will call out on your LinkedIn. You were a founding director of Beakerhead because as soon as you say engineering, <laughs> arts, culture, and throw it together, it's immediately what comes to mind. And oh, by happenstance, you also were involved. Is that was was that from yeah. the beginning? Found, founder would be a director. Yeah. yeah, that's a that's a cool. That's always an event that makes me feel like I'm not oh, in Calgary. Oh, and that was that was which is a compliment. Well, can I tell you the, the, the uh, genesis uh, yeah. of that, which I think is so cool sure, because that's also just how humans work and why we need to share ideas early. So I moved back to Calgary, um, and there was this energy in the city. Uh, you know, it was like 2011, 2012. Uh, the city was aiming to be the Things cultural were pretty good. capital. Yeah. It was feeling... 2008 was over, exactly. and 2015 hadn't like, happened yet. There was yeah, a yeah, new totally. step in the city. Everyone was feeling it. Yeah, yeah a little swagger. And, totally. little swagger. and mm. you know, I came back, and I, 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 had, I had been mulling this idea of kind of taking like a factory party concept, but mashing it with like robots part Ted, but just I like an idea jam hmm. meets this kind of engineering concept in this kind of like really fun way. And someone said, you know, you need, you need to talk to, to Jay Ingram, Discovery Channel and, and his partner, Marianne Moser, because they've kind of got an idea that I think is similar. So we got together for coffee and it's kind of like you show each other your PowerPoints, your vision decks. And it's like, oh, we're thinking the same thing. And then voila, Beakerhead was born and the entire concept Although really about delight of like giant mechanical contraptions on the street, blasting fire everywhere, which is awesome. But it was really meant to be about the talent that we were looking to attract to our city and the story we were telling. So very purposeful was to take that love of engineering that has driven so much like uh, 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 prosperity in our city, but to also say, you know, there's these new sectors being driven through technology and innovation that are looking for a kind of that alter ego of Calgary. Let's show it off big time. This is a talent attraction strategy. And so as much as it was about a love of science and engineering, it was really about saying, hey, tech sector, we got you. Let's get eyes on Calgary, just like keeping Austin weird. Let's show Calgary's weird side too. Yeah, totally. That's a good comparison. No, I love. I love it. No, I do. I was. I love. I have a marketer. Right? I love a good orig- an origin story. When you talked about, you know. The roads and the infrastructure, and yes, that's important. It needs to be thought about, and it's 20 years, and you got to think it out. You backed up. is like, let's even think 18 months. Talk to me about the stakeholders around the table, because you've obviously got so many. You've got communities. You've got you know municipal governments. You've got election cycles. You've got maybe short-term thinking, which maybe in this case, that's not a, that's not a hindrance. You know, I often will rail against, well, how do we get long-term change if we're only getting worrying about the next election? But when you start compressing the timeline, that breaks that. Well, that's why it'll never work. Blah, 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 grumble, grumble. Old man sitting on the bench on the side of the road grumbling and complaining about why the city isn't what he wants it to be or she. Uh, How does that look from a stakeholder perspective as you start mashing together that shorter time? You know what? Part of it is framing the language. Uh, When we think about large-scale initiatives, we think about the complexity of them. And we need to. Everything's a system. But the moment we start talking about projects and experimentation, and let's just try this. I think we start to file down the edges of the risk, right? And we start making it a little more comfortable. It's just an experiment. It's just a prototype. And we've done that so well in the, in the tech and innovation community. That is startup culture. 
And it's also, you know, whether or not we fully believe as we continue to look at like fail fast, it is true. Let's try out these ideas. Let's pop up. If they're great, we can make them permanent. But when we often get confused around like motion and progress, motion is easy to get stuck in because we can confuse meeting minutes or large scale strategies for progress. But progress is rolling up our sleeves and trying something and learning and applying it further. And so when I think about cities and programming cities to our, to our long, towards our long-term goals, towards the horizons, be it a net zero city in the future, a strong economy, a strong arts and culture scene, a diverse place, a place where clean tech thrives, whatever these bold ambitions are for our city, we can't confuse making the long-term strategy or the branding exercise with the actual work. And so I think the moment we start bringing in community-led innovation as pop-up prototyping, programming on the streets, experimentation together, it's just like beta testing a product. And I think at that point, the goal is let's move away from the loss aversion that a lot of stakeholders or community leaders might have where they say, you know what, if I make a bet and it's not successful, I don't want to risk not getting in on the next election cycle, or I don't want to risk not getting that extra line in my budget next year because it was unsuccessful. If we can start to kind of toss that sense of potential loss aside and say, can we instead focus on on establishing a bold ambition and then just trying something? And if even just trying something felt good, you can start to whittle away that loss aversion and start thinking about how to actually build towards something that's truly remarkable. I think that we forget that sometimes risk equals remarkable things and we say, don't take the risk. And then we just end up with mediocre. Fair enough. It's a declarative balance because we all celebrate risk and failure until it happens to oh. us. <laughs> you know, like it's until, hard. Uh, I, I love talking about tripping and falling. I don't enjoy tripping and falling, just to be clear. <laughs> like, I want to separate those two. And is this a community association level? Are we, like, when you say the testing and the trying, you know, I live in mm-hmm. Loop, so we have the Loop community, community association. And, you know, they're trying to get the pool rebuilt and trying to get a pump track put in so the kids can have a place to bike. Those are the things I'm seeing, I'm hearing them dealing with. And then we've got, oh my God, people are cutting through the neighborhood. You know, all those things that are the day-to-day yeah. problems of that a community association should deal with, with finite budgets and volunteer people and all, all the things that, you know, can be used as excuses. That's all, to, to, and, and, and yeah. realities to make them challenging versus, you know, city Hall seems a long, I can kind of almost see it, but it seems a long mm-hmm. way away from maybe the conversations that are happening at the community center, which is two blocks away, <laughs> just even from like pr- proximity, if nothing else. You know, there was this. How do you blend that? How do you blend all yeah, of that there was together? There's a great story uh, about, uh, I, think it was in, I think it was in Detroit, and it was earlier this week. And a bunch of citizens painted a zebra sidewalk crossing or a zebra road crossing uh, because they, they were like, this is an unsafe intersection. So they went gorilla and they painted it themselves. And the city came in and and blasted it away within a matter of days. And then one of their city councilors said, Oh, this is ripe for right? all kinds of things. <laughs> and then one of their city councilors actually said, Hold up. We could respond to taking something away that the citizens thought was actually helpful way faster. In, in, in their, com- in in their, their community. community. <laughs> we can come in and erase it way faster than we can respond to the request for it. And so he went, he went, something's broken here, which I loved, right? Because I think they recognize that. So the idea of, of prototyping or that gorilla side or the beta test 
I think is also the way to, to show the larger elements of an institution that there is demand. Right. So let's think again about it again as a as a as a product. Right. So way back when uh, when I was you know in startup modes, we would launch these websites, little smoke and mirrors, and we would have the click to buy. And this was where we'd say, "Don't build out the full product. Let's actually see if there's actually any interest in it." And you'd click on the button and say, "Click to buy," and say, "Ah, not quite available yet. Sign up here for when we launch." And then voila, we're testing whether or not there's actually interest um, in, in this potential solution. So the cool thing I think about community-led prototyping and even Gorilla, and of course you need to do it in proper ways, is just like product testing. We show the demand by doing it. And then we again start to whittle down that risk to the larger elements of the institution. Interesting. I, I love it. I love the parallel. And I love because it, you know, it moves more into my language, which isn't civic leadership. It's more products and marketing and understanding. But I think there's a lot to be said, or certainly a thread that came out of that example of uh, the system is does a really good job of exterminating <laughs> things that don't fit. It's almost mm-hmm. like it's like your immune system going, wait a second, that's not supposed to be there. Attack yeah. it so much quicker than, oh, that's wrong. Get rid of it because it disrupts the system. It goes against and versus, uh, oh, we have a new way of thinking about, you know, such and such. Oh, that, no, no, that, 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 that you didn't light it. You didn't light us up. You didn't fire up the T cells or however it's going to work. I love that example of like all of a sudden, like mobilize the troops and, you know, it's like a little animated version. They come out and wash that off because it somehow disrupted the system that was that good or bad was irrelevant. It was just the system. Yeah. Like it's almost like new equals resource intensive and hard. And it's like, actually, no, just just if it's not yeah, in your yeah, pull yeah. down menu changing the paradigm because maybe it maybe it used to mean maybe it used to, and it did mean big and hard and complicated yeah. and that's why it's so hard for big companies to even innovate right the skunk labs approach or the intrapreneurship or all the different terms that get thrown around because they'll eat the, the the governance models of these big organizations will all eat eat the new disruptive idea before it even gets a chance to see the yeah, light precisely. of day <laughs> oh so how from the perspective of what you do and where you look to cause influence, how do you how do we start this movement? And I, I think that maybe if, if movement is even the correct way to think about it, because we read about failure and we read about you know fail fast, fall, fail forward, and all the trendy buzz frames, but it still sometimes struggles to see the light of day because people are scared to put themselves out there. I think scared to put themselves out there, and the reality of our world is we lack resources and time. And so it can really, we can, we can sit back. <laughs> if I only right? had the time and if I only we had only the money. Have the time and, <laughs> yeah, money. Totally. and that's so real. Um, so I think there's a few things. Number one is uh, yeah. as, as a community and as, even as funding agencies, we need to move away from sprinkling a little bit evenly across everything and being more comfortable and having a bit more of a backbone to have the willpower to take some big bets. So, uh, so that's, that's one thing I think so recognizing that and holding ourselves accountable to, um, to providing resources towards experiments, uh, because we're going to learn from them regardless. Right. Um, that's one thing. Another element I think is, um, I'll give you an example. Can I tell you about something I'm about to launch? Okay, let's Please. do it. Please, this is this this is a, these, these episodes okay. are show and tell okay. for sure. So, hundred percent. So, yes. you know, when I when I think way back to the exercise of launching Beakerhead and thinking about it as a way to show rather than tell who Calgary is to the rest of the world and ourselves, and now we sit here 
and we look at all of the challenges that are universal challenges that the city of Calgary is, is, is experiencing. I work a lot with other cities around the world. I host an event called World City with a bunch of other partners where we bring city builders from around the world together. And the challenges are universal. The gutting of downtowns, mm, okay. the, uh, the, the, the kind of reworking of values in cities, um, climate change, the shift of, of our energy systems, inflation, um, sprawl, all of these things are universal challenges. And so when I look at Calgary, I look at our downtown because to me, the heart and the DNA of our city does stem from our downtown. And it does affect people who live and work and play on the outskirts of our city, just as what they do on the outskirts affects what happens downtown. But downtown really is where the living lab needs to be to then have the ripple effects throughout our entire city. So our city, like many others, is experiencing uh, uh, vacancy and underutilization of downtown buildings. Now, we are a special case for sure. In addition, our city has has also said that we, um, you know, we've 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 made the point of of acknowledging a climate emergency. Uh, there's restructuring happening in the city with that right now. But I think what an amazing opportunity for the community to start to prototype and experiment around what those solutions and projects are. Um, we have this beautiful emerging er, emerging tech sector, and we've got the this like arts and culture community that's also doing very well and the expansion of arts commons and what's happening with with um, contemporary Calgary, we have post-secondaries right now that are rewriting how they're, how they're building the talent of tomorrow. What a beautiful Petri dish for us to experiment in. So as I've been thinking about this, um, I've, I've put together a concept for experimentation in downtown. It's called Lobby Fest. And so what we're working for in 2023, our goal is to take underutilized spaces, be them lobbies, laneways, alleys, loading docks, plus 15s, maybe, fingers crossed, and having those as platforms for experimentation and storytelling and events and programs that each show a different perspective around the future of our city. So similar to how Beaker had we rolled out gigantic octopus, you know, flaming fire everywhere, how do we take these lobbies and laneways and sidewalks and spaces around the buildings downtown that are currently trying to track more tenants into them or trying to convert into residential and say, all right, outside of the committees, which are important, and the, and the projects that are currently being funded around the future of our city, let's give a bunch of really fantastic creators, entrepreneurs, community groups, artists, performers, each a platform or a stage downtown for a handful of days. Let's have an ideas festival around the future of our city, and let's do a bunch of pop-up prototypes around what those ideas might actually look like. So you can imagine coming into a lobby and talking about the future of my city is sustainable. And maybe we're exploring those vertical farms and urban agriculture. And we're talking about last mile transit. We're hinting at the future of the green line, things like that. What about another one that is like the future of my city is is as a clean tech leader or the future of energy. And we bring together the energy sector that's currently leading the way. And we pop them up in a really interesting kind of immersive storytelling way. Maybe we take those really fantastic culinary creators and we transform places into pop-up restaurants or cocktail bars. But my vision is that as a community, we come together, support one another in these pop-up immersive experiences, like an installation or an event or a debate or a workshop that each show a different perspective on the future of our city anchored in downtown just for a couple of days. And I think it'll be a blast. And if you think about it, it's very similar to like a Techstars startup weekend but it's focused on our city. 
And this would happen in a like a controlled period yeah. of time or over the course of the summer or over the course Likely of six over months a or it would be more days, like just a, for the, a for the density so okay. of, of all this to happen. And let's, let's see what kind yeah, of bubbles really, up out of it. To really create some more energy by bolting it all so. together. How many stakeholders, like that feels like a lot of cats it's to get running in the same direction. Yeah, it's <laughs> it a seems big lift. But Jasmine, I don't like, I know you don't like to tackle small problems. So <laughs> I wouldn't, you know, I'm not surprised to be clear. <laughs> no, I don't. <laughs> the easy way. What? No. I don't even want even. What are you talking about? It's not my DNA. I want to, is this, is this, is this, is this almost insurmountable? Perfect. Sign me up. You know, because at the same time, what's cool about <clears> this <throat> is, uh, is our next steps as a community. And that's with, with other groups I work with. That's with folks at state that's with friends at platform that's with folks in the arts sector that's with folks in the energy sector i think our marching orders are talked or to talk to about 100 to 150 people in the next couple of weeks and months to frame this thing and what better way to figure out what the sentiment is around the future of our city than to just go out and talk to people and then build something together Groups that already have their own mandates that you know, although different, run run very parallel to what you're what mm-hmm. you're talking about for sure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Same 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 but different. Uh, wh- wh- where do you where do you look for inspiration? Because you talked about, and I really appreciate the perspective. Hey, guess what? Everyone's having these challenges. This isn't like these aren't uniquely Calgary phenomenons. We do have some downtown and some vacancy issues that I think are a little bit tied to the change in the de- the transition or maybe the transformation of our energy sector. But aside from that similar same sames but where do you look for inspiration and you go oh you know i go and look at overseas or i look at in the u.s where they're doing some of the things that you go damn we want to we want to bring that in because i'm all about finding sources of yeah, inspiration yeah and you know i think the the goal when doing this is not to think about they're so much bigger or they've been around for longer than us and so therefore it's just hard or the opposite side of the spectrum is like <laughs> don't like, tell yourself a story that yeah, removes the learning before yeah. it happens or the opposite <laughs> side of the spectrum of like it's easy let's just be the silicon valley of the north or the this of the that Ugh. um because it's, yeah, it's no. more i find people are saying they that are, last these days which i'm okay with i'm done time, with that that mm-hmm. we need to be uniquely ourselves and that that's our because we're not going to be that because someone already has that lockdown 100%. i want to be jasmine no she's already got that nail i'm going to be some <laughs> other version mind, but i might I'm take epic, sorts of inspiration really though through life right yeah. like all of us um well and so you know i do i do look at places but uh for inspiration um and mainly because i think it's important for us to look at places that have made a bold statement and now a message from one of our valued partners Today's show is brought to you in partnership with International Justice Mission. Thank you to Philip Calvert and his team for the incredible work they do to bring awareness to the global problem of modern-day slavery. I'm proud to share with my audience that I have formalized my relationship with IGM through becoming one of their Canadian ambassadors. Why? Because I believe we can end slavery in our lifetime, and I want to use my platform to be part of that mission. For many of you, hearing that statement may be a rallying cry. For the rest, it may be a moment of, wait, what? Slavery? Is that even a thing? For me, up to 12 to 18 months ago, it was the second. I did not even understand the problem or that it existed at the scale that it does. Currently, there are over 40 million people affected by modern-day slavery. 40 million people. After a chance meeting with Philip Calvert, National Director of Development for IGM Canada, my eyes were open to the reality that poor people face the world over, a reality of violence that stops them from ever moving forward in their life. At first, this made me uncomfortable. Then it made me downright mad. But then it gave me hope. It is support of groups like IGM that will allow us to reach the goal of any slavery in our lifetime and give hope to people who may have none. I know this can be an uncomfortable conversation, and that is okay. That's why we're going to go on this journey together. Stay tuned as we host guests from IGM who will help educate us, as well as upcoming events that where we can meet the amazing people that make the work they do a reality. Please join me in supporting this incredible organization by visiting and donating to their cause at www.igm.ca. We will only succeed in any slavery in our lifetime if we work together to make a difference. 
Thank you for listening. And now back to today's good old fashioned chat. Because that I think uh, uh, bravery and um, uh, and it, I think risk, but just to be curious to say, I'm going to be brave in this moment. And so you take a look at like even like the city, the New York City, right? New York City peak of pandemic was struggling, and there were people around the world saying that city's not going to come back. New York died. Uh oh. And during that time, they decided to take a couple of really massive problems that are also universal, climate change, for instance, and they put that at the top of their bar of priorities. And beyond the really important elements of city administration, economic development, and all of the other kind of civic and community players around it, they said, okay, let's take the entire governor's island, and that is now a gigantic living laboratory for the future of a city that is tackling climate change and transforming how we live, how we work, how we play, how we build. So they basically have taken an entire island and turned it into into a laboratory to experiment with and attract the best brains and investment from around the world. Now, they're in New York. When New York says that they're going to do something, the world does listen. But I think the same thing of a place like Calgary. And I think if we say we want to be a leader in X and we're going to put our community behind it, we're going to put resources behind it, um, we can make stuff happen. If we rewind back to even, and I, and I just because I'm so close to it, I love taking a look at our, our local innovation ecosystem in the same way. If we rewind back to the early days of, say, the rainforest, when we had, you know, Brad Zumwalt and Jim Gibson and Hanfel got together, they didn't say, yeah, you know, it'd be really nice if we were a tech leader and if we did better supporting our, our local startups. They said, we are going to be one of the most fertile grounds to build a startup in. And how are we going to do that? We're just going to start to gather. But they had to make the bold statement first, because that gave someone, that gave everyone something to rally around. And I think that's exactly where we're at right now in our city is like, there's a lot of things that are our opportunities and our, and our challenges. But if we can, as a community say, maybe there's, maybe there's these two, these three, these five gigantic pillars that we're excited about. And then we make those statements, the community rallies behind them because they recognize there's a network of support and there's time and there's resources to try things if they ladder up to those goals. And that's precisely, I think, like where we're, where we're at and what we kind of owe each other right now. I love it. And who's going to make that statement? <laughs> who we be the leader in X? Is that at the, like, who, again, who, who, where, where, where did, where did that come from? Because I agree, rallying and North Stars and all the things that we know mm-hmm. are true. The political realm seems notoriously challenged to get any type of unification around yeah. that these days. So I think mm-hmm. we look to where that where the motions already are already underway and where progress is actually already happening. So uh, I think when we take a look at um, at at Calgary being uniquely positioned to lead the future of energy, we take a look at um, you know Kevin and Avatar and the Energy Transition Center and the work of the of the University of Calgary and Innovate Calgary and partners such as State and others saying, okay, let's rally around this and let's figure that out. Because someone basically, by, by even making that statement and creating space, they're starting to snowplow uh, uh, hesitancy out of the way and start to make some progress. So we look there and say, okay, there's, there's some motion happening. Um, we look at other civic partners um, that are starting to build and make big, bold bets, such as the Glenbow and Arts Commons. And I think that if we just kind of floated above our own city and said, where is there interesting traction happening that's kind of community-led or venture-led or industry-led? We will see them. And, you know, I, 
I haven't been deeply involved, but I've been very supportive of even things um, uh, such as the Define the Decade uh, uh, project, which, um, you know, it, I, I think that they've they've nailed down, I think, like three to five core pillars for Alberta that they feel are our strengths. And it is. It's energy. It's wellness. It's biotech. Um, and and so there are there are groups that have gone and taken a look and said, okay, what can we sense is is having some really great momentum right now? And rather than trying to create a net new project or voice or strategy, how do we rally around where there's traction and help it accelerate? Mm, I appreciate that from the perspective of the role that government plays versus the role that industry mm-hmm. plays and industry kind of almost all encompassing everything you said from post-secondary to what's, you know, what's going on. And there's so many great examples. Just that I did a, it's not released yet, but I just did a podcast with Kevin oh, yeah. from Avatar this week. And it's amazing the things they've got going on and, and it just, and like how it's, excel, it's accelerating. And when you go to their events, you see everyone from government there, you see people kind of jumping on board on that bandwagon, but they didn't start that bandwagon moving. They just jumped on, which is, I'm okay with that. <laughs> I don't, I, I'm super okay you know, with that. <laughs> I, I, and I feel the same way. It's, um, we even said in even very early days, I was, I was lucky enough in the very early days, like before we basically leading up and then putting the shovel in the ground and then, you know, continue to pass the baton as a community, but of, of conceiving of what a downtown innovation center could be and could look like. And so when we think about even the very early days of platform, it's okay for the politicians or those in government to come and hold the banner at the parade, even if they weren't there earlier, because what we're doing is we're showing them again, where there's already traction and support. Uh, and so, you know, don't come and erase that crosswalk, come and paint the next one. And so I think when we make it easy and we celebrate it, it's like, it's fine. Come hold the banner. Totally cool. Totally cool. I'm not going to say no, because now you're in. <laughs> there, politicians will always be there once there's a banner <laughs> to be held they're just not always the ones that are going to get the banner printed at the print shop and totally, I'm, I'm okay totally. with that too I'm a big believer that industry needs to drive forward and government needs to clean up and you know get rid of red tape and do do all the things whether it does it well or not that's a yeah. big conversation I'm, I'm asking maybe my own question I already know I, I just you look at these and because okay what's going to hold this back beliefs yeah. is huge and like whether we believe in what we believe and where we have belief we find all the rest what and maybe sounds like a silly i'm gonna ask it even though i know it's kind of silly to ask what role does funding and money play in in in, in all this because if you've got power you find the money but everyone will go oh it's because of the money that's the it's it's often not the reason but it's often the excuse <laughs> as to why we didn't so i don't know how do you respond you know, to that uh, m- the money is an incredibly important resource even even in this aspect of thinking about pop-up to permanent around how do we shape our cities um we need to resource the ideas and the projects that are shaping our cities and money plays a big role um so again i think to use the you know to, to use the comparable of the of the world of, of tech and startups is over the past 10 to 15 years we've grown our angel investment community here drastically and so for the for city building and community-led initiatives that I think help kind of shape our city beyond existing funding that goes towards a branding campaign or a next master plan or a strategic plan, which are important, right? They're, they're, they're roadmaps. But sometimes it's, it's, those, it's those community-led uh, uh, programs that are under-resourced. And that's where we take a look and we kind of treat them as if, well, they're, they're bound to happen. And aren't, aren't they? They're kind of nice to have, but not must-haves. And they are must-haves. 
And so I think what we need to do is we need to think about resourcing community-led city building initiatives in the same way that we built and fostered a really healthy investment ecosystem in Alberta. We say, you know what? It's on all of us to reshape the legacy of this city and to lift up the different perspectives that are going to be the ones that are taking the baton and taking the city forward for the next 20 years. And that's why these next 18-month, three-year, five-year projects really matter. Because if we don't resource them in really powerful ways, then everything kind of runs on fumes. And then suddenly we are 20 years in the future. And we're looking at a community that maybe could have been a bit more bold and ambitious and, uh, and could have attracted and retained um, really remarkable people. And that really ties into your model about like, let's, let's shrink it down, let's make it bite-sized, and then let's get it close and tied into the groups that are already having that as their mandates, whether it's, you know, mm-hmm. the post-secondaries or whether it's what's happening at Platform or Avatar, you know, th- there's a long list, which I'm excited to, you know, you can start rhyming it off. I won't do it because <laughs> I'll miss somebody because there is so many little pockets. How about the alignment between those groups? Because like, there is the value of the master plan. Like, okay, we're going this way or making that bold to be the leader in X. You know, I've often heard in Calgary, depending on where you are, oh, it's a great ecosystem. But holy shit, I don't know where to go. There's so many pockets. There's so many places, like whether it's at the provincial level where there's some funding available or even, you know, what they do, I'm just using platform. I've parked there the last two days. So it's like <laughs> fresh mind. in my mind. Yeah, when you park there and you walk to the library and then you've like, and I've had Alex on, what's going to go on? Okay. Called, like, that area is really, it's the, the music center. Like it's really cool down there. It's super funky. And so that's all my brain. But when you think about bringing all these groups together, is it that, that that guiding light that be a leader in X or is it more just about like what you said creating these things like lobby fest where you kind of bang them all together whether they almost like it or not because you know they're all going to show up for uh, yeah, it yeah it's a combination right <laughs> I do believe in yes, collisions well, and not to exactly overuse the name of the bar let's bang them let's bang them <laughs> together let's put, you know Steve Jobs let's put the bathroom in the middle so everyone has to go to the same place so they're going to run into that's each other why yeah. those, that's why the places it's not wrong <laughs> in between matter right that's why all yeah, of yeah. those places in between matter that's why the program matters that's why the community engagement matters because uh, if we just rely, of course, on the kind of leaders of each node um, who are each doing remarkable things, if we don't think about the, those collisions and the in-between and the connective tissue, then that's where we start to atrophy. That's where big things don't happen or that's where, that's where we can't go behind those leaders of each node, the downtown library platform, NMC, the folks that are doing really fantastic jobs, you know, um, uh, attracting fantastic companies into downtown. If that connective tissue in between doesn't have that kind of third place, then we don't know what's happening all the time. So I'll use a building analogy, right? So, um, so the traditional way of filling up a downtown or a corporate tower, we could say, was you went and you got the anchor tenant, the gigantic company that's going to take up 13 floors or something. And then after that, you go down and you say, hey, Tim Hortons, I've got all this foot traffic in my building now. Why don't you sign this 20-year lease or whatever? And then you plug in the stuff on the bottom. 100%. It still works that way based on my friends who work in commercial real estate. But if we think about it as a city, to to attract, it's now really the flip. That sidewalk level, those in-betweens, that community engagement and programming, that power of osmosis where we know what's happening around with each other, that ritual of ceremony of, of, of people being in place together and sharing ideas, um, that's, that's the new level of, instead, you build a really cool cafe and kind of community lobby where everyone hangs out on the bottom of the building. And then suddenly, 
you're going to start filling in and at the top because people want to be where the people already are, right? You, you used to have a sense of gravity. Yeah. So to your- That, in, that innovation 100%. happens three floors and below. Or, you know, I think Terry, Terry Rock was the first one who shared that. He's like, Tyler, this is yeah. how it works. I was like, oh, cool. That's, that's the first time I heard that concept. Explains to me like, oh, that makes perfect sense. Now totally. you hear it. So I think those. that's why as we, yeah. as we look at the challenges of, of our city, um, we need to think about the ways in which we uh, create place for people to collide. And that doesn't necessarily mean having to have full bricks, brick and mortar. It, it means the rituals of the regular gatherings. It means the events. It means supporting the meetups. It means, um, and, and those are things that, that need those resources because that's where the ideas and experiments and that new ventures and projects come out of. And then I think that strengthens those big nodes, uh, which are the ones that might be more heavily resourced or tied to government uh, just because they are, they're more institutional. Um, but it's we need the we need the digital and in real life living room for our community as a whole to experiment together in. And our demand on organizations at any level to create, I want if I can get most of what I can get in front of my computer, you got to give me an experience, which then gives me a reason to totally. leave the house because I'm still up for experiences. But like you know, I you definitely weigh the value of like, do I need to meet this person in, uh, in person? Do I need to meet this human in person, or can I just meet them online? Oh, but there's this whole experience and this thing happening, and I went to event, you know, at the library, and you're at the library, and it's this cool space, and I, so I'm really analyzing what gets me to go, especially when it's minus thirty, because that's a real differentiator. Will you leave your house at minus thirty? to go experience this thing if you do it's much more than just going yes. to the thing <laughs> and what i think that's where if if we as a whole uh need to think about how we add experiences in order to attract folks to things so um you know like like me i'm a major champion of downtown revitalization and of a variety of communities in the city but i'm the same tyler if i'm gonna get out of my cozy house on a minus 30 day and roll downtown, it's not for one meeting. It is for a meeting that might then also include, uh, you know, an event or a meetup, which might roll into a cocktail hour. But we need that those collisions matter. So how do we take those moments and uh, and create pops of density together? So if we know for a fact that something's happening at the library and I'm platform, I should be planning a meetup at platform that same day on the hour after that thing ends. If I'm, you know, working on Stephen Avenue revitalization, I should be looking at, well, what is every Thursday from four to six, for instance, creating those rituals so that people know if I head down for one thing and it happens to be on the first Thursday of every month, I then start to know how to build my routine around the community's routine. And then we start to snowball together. So that those lines of connectivity between people that are doing things matter a lot because we can amplify one another just by kind of aligning our moments because moments matter. Totally. And I love, I love, we talk about this and this is not to demean it at all. It's, it's more from an, ex, like we've done it before. If you've worked in the oil and gas sector, what we're describing in a whole is called the plus exactly. 15. <laughs> and if you're a sales guy and I have sons of friends that are like, Oh, I, how do you do biz dev? Well, I just go walk the plus 15s and I have <laughs> coffee with random people that I meet. Cause they're doing the same thing as I am. And you know, our whole energy sector did a fantastic job of like, if you're company or business wasn't on the plus 15 you were kind of out of the mm -hmm. ecosystem <laughs> and those collisions happen just at all the random places you know thinking about that how do we move that and how do we apply it to tech and how do we make it more inclusive than just one sector yeah. 
arguably like when you said lobby fest and cross your fingers for plus 15 <laughs> we've already had a really good example of how well that did exactly for a and, and i think what's interesting <laughs> yeah, about totally. the plus 15s is it, people are either on the love it or hate it side of the plus 15s and a lot of a lot of Fair urban hunters will say oh, well if we're not going to get a little bit of controversy right? in this episode for sure we got they'll to. be like oh you gutted the sidewalk level which it does right and i i flip sides of that fence around the plus 15s frequently but the the magic of the plus 15s is exactly what you pointed to where yes let's not talk you know yeah, okay fair and enough. so but it's minus 30 <laughs> folks the plus 15 is a nicer option i'm just them. gonna be we do have winter um, and i would say pur- purpose build from well, a weather perspective exactly. and so it is <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is, I, I hear what it you're is saying, a though. platform mm. that we have that we can activate um and so when we think about uh where we anchor ourselves where we host things how we meet um, that kind of enhanced serendipity that something like the plus 15s offers us is something I think we need to harness yeah, and not, yeah. uh, uh, and not just kind of like throw our hands up and say, oh, we wish we didn't have them. Because fact is, on a minus 30 day, if we really wanted to and create something really awesome and tell everyone in the tech sector that they had a scavenger hunt on the plus 15s and it was to high five 25 people they haven't met yet, that'd be fun. <laughs> totally but in montreal they went underground you know you've got a whole world under under the city that you walk around there and then toronto's got a little bit of that and kind of a blend and weather plays a part like we do live in canada it's minus 30 as we're recording i think it's the coldest day we've had so far this year that we're recording this episode it'll come out january when it's probably still going to be cold (laughs) but it might it might be it might be plus 10 who knows that that is the beauty of the weather here but i do appreciate looking at the corner perspective and just thinking of anyone i know who worked in the sector that was where they hung out and that's where they ran into everybody that's where all the things that you talked about that we now need to have the opportunity to create at a citywide level across multiple sectors it's not hard to believe it's a pretty plausible story <laughs> for me i think so too it's not like oh this sample jasmine i don't know about this hocus pocus <laughs> you're, ta- you're talking it's about it's all on us to create um, a really cool living room if we have a nodes of essentially like just think about like the archetype of like the living room or the lounge like where are people hanging and so if we all think that we each have a responsibility uh, to to support places where people hang, that's where ideas happen, right? And so uh, I think that's pretty darn easy. We just need to kind of create some rituals around it. And then when everyone's well and someone says, aha, I want to do this thing, then we all get behind them. Maybe a self-serving question or why Calgary? You could do this. You could you could do this anywhere, but you choose to do it here. And your passion comes out in space when that's part of why I love <laughs> chatting with you because you're just so passionate. But you're choosing also to do it in this city. What is it about the city that really drives home for you? This is a pro Calgary podcast too. So here's our, here's our, our why Calgary is awesome yeah. moment. Yeah, yeah, totally. You know, um, I love living in the Bay Area. I had a, I had a stint in Vancouver. I've had a stint in Edmonton. And I nearly, nearly, nearly uh, moved to New York many, many, many years ago. But home is where your family and your friends are. And, you know, we we came back here and the the people in Calgary are truly amazing the, everyone says this. So this is a true, this is, this is this is like a full truism about our city. People love to say yes and introduce you. Now, we are a little bit of a risk averse city, so that's okay. But we know we're, we're so great at connecting each other to one another. <laughs> Big lineup to be second and third, yeah, not like, so much first. That might be <laughs> yeah, totally. just in case we fall on our face. No, let's try it. But, you know, that the the social contract of connecting one another is great. And so I feel like because of that, the element of possibility and the networks of who you're able to get in to meet and even pitch an idea to here is is so it's flourishing. And so I that's why I think why Calgary. I, you know, I do projects with a handful of other communities, um, but but my backyard matters. This is where my family is, this is where my kids are growing up. 
Uh, and so if this city isn't representative of my values and I'm not doing projects aligned with that, um, then why, like, you, you got you got to make an impact where you live. I, I I appreciate that. Yeah, home is where they absolutely. Calgary. I'm being in. Are you from yeah, here? Yeah, so were you I, born here? I, I'm born here, right? So yeah, what? One of the I, rare I few. Know. <laughs> I wasn't born in Saskatchewan and found my way here. Um, no, so I'm, I'm born here, which means I've now entered the era of life. This is when I realized, like, I've tipped into like adulthood or like midlife. I now am that person. What? That goes I, down. I will not. I will not admit to being a grown right? up. Fair, fair. I I'm not a grown up. I just happen to be older. Um. But I'm now that person that goes down 17th Ave or Fourth Street, or and I'm like, oh, that that used to be a such and such, and I'm like, oh no. <laughs> do you remember I'm when that, that used to be now. Electric Avenue, and you do the one of those <laughs> stories? Yeah, that's fine. I know. I I I've recently turned 49, which I'm super excited about. It. This is my 50th birthday year, so I'm going to celebrate the whole year in its entirety. Yes. And uh, you know, people bug me. They're like, I'm like, oh, are you upset about? It? I'm like, no, because my life yeah. is pretty great. If it wasn't, it maybe be a bad reminder. But I tell stories now where I'm like, well, that was 10 years ago. I'm like, shit, when did I, I become know. the guy with 15 year old stories? I'm like, no. And, like that, and no. then it's like, gotta be careful. You know, like, oh, back in back in the day or back in my prime. No, we are always in our prime. <laughs> Whoa, I'll never say that. No, no, no. Strike that there from the record. No, Jazz over not saying that when i have jokes and stories and sweaters that are 10 years old i i know i'm getting older <laughs> anyways sorry for anyone who's listened right to the end <laughs> from that jasmine amazing chatting with you uh, always love your energy love your passion and i love you're one of my favorite people because you think about thinking and i and i, and I love that i said that to you before oh. we got on got on the show you put a lot of thought into what you're passionate about and what you think about and it really comes through in the projects that you take on and the impact that you have so thank you for thank that. you and on that note what are the best ways for people to get involved with lobby fest find out yes we all have the internet but is there any 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 like direct passive action they can take well, to here's get a cool thing i have a feeling that by the time this podcast goes live uh, lobbyfest.com should be available. Nice. Well, we will promote the heck out of it. So you share us the details oh. when that day comes and we'll, I'm all about sharing. That's a funny thing also about, you know, you, 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 you believe what you look at. And when you interview people like I do in the show and you share all the positive things that are going on in the city, you cannot help but fall in love. <laughs> Neurologically, it just drives you there. You, just, you, can't, you, 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 you can't help it. You, you, can't, you can't help it. And that was part of my mission. And I was, I moved here from Montreal. Yeah. So I was always a little bit like, oh yeah, no, I'm, I'm from, I'm from Montreal. I'm from Calgary and I love being from Calgary and I'm proud of it. And if you take the time to look about, if you don't think there's anything going on in the city, I'll tell you, first of all, yeah. you're off the mark. Second of all, just get out there and look around. There's some really, really cool stuff going on. And I, I dare you not to fall in love with it. I like that dare. <laughs> I'll, I'll pose that dare to others too. Jasmine, amazing chatting with you. Thank you so much. And uh, yeah, keep us up to date. We're going to share all the cool things that you're up to. And I look forward to Lobby Fest whenever that hits, uh, hits, hits, hits the ground in a community awesome. near Thanks, me. Thanks, Tyler.